Joe Biden is clearly losing it, but could there be a Democratic nominee that's even worse? And I'm not talking about Kamala. The answer, though, unfortunately, is still yes. Wait until you hear this. Plus, the lowdown on Aaron Rodgers straight from a jet. Hello, good morning, everybody. Welcome on into Outkick the Morning. I'm Charlie Arnold. And before we get any further, make sure you hit that subscribe button right now. And if you would also like, throw me a like and a comment on this Monday morning. Now, I hope all of you caught some good football games this weekend. I definitely did. Also got some good sleep. I definitely did. Uh, because we know for sure our President Joe Biden absolutely did. Cutting a news conference short in Vietnam yesterday to announce this. If you don't know what you want at the meeting, if you don't have a game plan, he may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Biden clearly doing a fantastic job convincing all of us his ages, not at all getting in the way of doing his job. But come on, who's surprised? We all know how much Joe loves his naps. the public eye, no big deal. However, it looks like Sleepy Joe might be in for an extended nap, if you will. As Joe's mental decline becomes impossible to ignore and his suspected corrupt dealings impossible to cover up, speculation continues to gain even more traction that the Democrats may have no choice than to swap Biden off the ballot, which now begs the question, who will his successor be? California Governor Gavin Newsom is a name that's been thrown around a bunch, but Newsom put those rumors to bed, not Joe's bed, but he said this on Friday. Filing deadlines haven't passed. President Biden doesn't run. Why shouldn't we consider you a likely well, I think the vice president is naturally one lined up and the filing deadlines are quickly coming to pass. And I think we need to move past this notion that he's not going to run. President Biden is going to run. And am I supposed to interpret that comment about the vice president, that if for some reason the president chose not to run at this point, well, that's the next, everybody rallies it's around the, her? It's the Biden-Harris administration. So with Newsom definitively out in backing Vice President Kamala Harris in the event Biden doesn't run, does this mean Kamala is our girl? Quite frankly, I don't see how that happens. Kamala has had historically low approval ratings, including at this very moment, and she's not even popular among her own party. So who does that leave us with? Now, does the idea of Michelle Obama frighten you? Because it should. Obama insider and author of a new book on Michelle Obama, Joel Gilbert, says Michelle is preparing to enter the 2024 race and become the Democratic nominee due to Biden's declining health. Here's a clip of Gilbert on the Bold and Blunt podcast last week. Michelle Obama, 2024, you predict that she will indeed make a run for the presidency. What do you base that on? Uh, look, I've been following the Obamas for years, and I noticed uh, some years ago, even in 2016, 
Michelle started following the exact same formula that Barack had to become president. So that formula, Barack started a voter registration. So did Michelle. Barack wrote two autobiographies. So did Michelle. Barack was the keynote speaker and introduced nominee John Kerry at the 2004 DNC convention, while Michelle was the keynote speaker and introduced Joe Biden at the 2020 DNC convention. A lot of people don't realize Michelle grew up in politics. She married a politician and back in 2008 was essentially Barack's running mate, constantly calling it our campaign. So Michelle Obama, 2024. Think about it. That is a very scary thought and all things considered, certainly not out of the realm of possibility. And that is a doozy. And now with the NFL season underway and the biggest game of the week coming up tonight, we all know what that is. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets versus the Buffalo Bills. We welcome in former Jets center and future Hall of Famer Nick Mangold. Nick, I'm so happy to see you. Uh, This is a a big game we have coming up. Uh, Just first things first. Your reaction as we are just hours away from the season opener of your Jets. Uh, I got to tell you, I woke up pretty excited. Um, you know, it was a wild day of action yesterday. Up tonight in MetLife Stadium with the Jets and the Bills. Uh, I'm really excited and it should be a fun game. Okay, so we all realize expectations are, are super high for the Jets this season. Uh, without having them seen a regular season snap yet, do you believe in your heart, speak the truth, that they're going to be the real deal? Um, yes, I think they are going to be the real deal. I think this defense has shown that it can uh, stop teams throughout the league. And I think the offense was just missing that little something. That little something, I think, is a NFL MVP four-time uh, in Aaron Rodgers. And so I think that's huge. I think he's got playmakers around him. This offensive line can stay healthy. Um, which is going to be a big key for us. Uh, we can do some some really great things this year. Okay, so you just answered my next question. Is Rodgers going to live up to the hype? It sounds like, from what you're telling me, you believe that he will. Uh, but all things aside from what he's able to do on the field, I mean, he's been plaguing his past team, the Packers, with some drama the past couple years. I mean, one, um, his vaccination status, which I totally stand by, uh, but his lack of transparency about it did cause quite the ruckus for quite a while. Uh, the fact that he openly does ayahuasca, things of that nature. Do you see him being a distraction for the Jets this season? No, I don't think so. I think his, uh, his immunity is fine. Um, you know, I think we as a society have moved on since – um, the craziness of 2020. Um, and, you know, I think we're seeing a new um, renaissance of people trying different things. And so um, Aaron being a little out there and, and with his darkness retreats, which as a father of four, I really want to try one of those darkness retreats just so I can get away for like three days. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's definitely something that is, is much more acceptable. Um, and I think it showed him coming to New York, A, wanting to come to New York, which was awesome. Um, but then B, you know, his excitement, you know, the way that he's come back in, he's rejuvenated. Um, he seems like he's like a little kid playing football again. Um, he's excited. He's taking in what New York City has to offer. Um, I, I think all of it is working really well right now. Okay, so let's talk about playing for New York in New York City. I mean, th- we know this is the biggest media circus of all of the different 
places that one could be. Uh, you know this better than anybody else. Uh, what's it like? I know you can only speak because you only played for the Jets your entire career, but uh, just from what you know, what's it like to play in New York versus playing in other places? Um, well, I mean, obviously, I, I did play um, at Ohio State, and so I have that um, a little bit of a different uh, perspective coming out of Ohio. Um, but playing in New York City is, is one of the greatest experiences where you have the backing of the city and you have the greatest city in the world and you're playing there in front of it. Um, and especially today, um, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, I was fortunate to play on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And the meaning that this game will have uh, not only to the players, to the team, but to the fans, um, to, fan, to casual fans around uh, playing this football game on this special day um, is, is something that, you know, gets imprinted on you. You hear about it all the time, about, um, you know, different stories and everything coming through. You know, just my school alone, uh, we lost four people uh, in the attacks. So it's um, it's it's a big game tonight. Um, and I think that's just a little microcosm of what that whole season means to the city and being able to play in New York City. Yeah, you know what? That's so interesting. You don't think about it. The, the fact that 9-11 has fallen on two days that the Jets have played. Uh, was was that your season opener as well? Uh, you said, yeah. what year was, was that, 2010? Uh, okay. 2011, um, we oh, played 11. the Cowboys. Um, and we okay. beat the Cowboys. Yeah. It was, um, it, was, it was definitely an emotional night. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, 9-11 obviously holds a massive significance all over the world, but especially here in New York City. Uh, do you have any other, other than the fact that you had your season opener defeating the Cowboys? I mean, what more could you ask for? Do you have any other real memories of being a part of the Jets franchise and commemorating 9-11 with your teammates? Yeah, I mean, I think it just it, obviously being able to play on the 10th anniversary was, was something special, but just the stories you hear from around the area. You know, growing up in Ohio, uh, I was in Ohio um, the day that 9-11 happened. And it, I have a different experience than those here in the Tri-State area have. And so hearing their stories, hearing, um, you know, personal experiences with 9-11, what they went through the day before, the day after, during, um, and getting to, to feel that and to, to understand um, what everyone went through um, it definitely makes, you know, football gets cast aside a little bit because you get put into the idea that, um, you know, this, this is our, our country and, you know, we were attacked and, and everyone has different thoughts about it. Um, but it, it is something special to be able to, to go out and give a little bit of excitement and a little bit of fun on an otherwise terrible day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, speaking of, Aaron Rodgers, back to him, uh, you know, and you being a Jet, you had the opportunity, I believe, was it th on three different occasions you played the Packers while you are with the Jets? I don't know if Rodgers played all three of those times, but uh, what do you recall when it comes to playing against Rodgers, and did you happen to have any personal interactions with him? Uh, losing, that's what it was. Um, I, every game I played against Aaron, I lost. Um, so I, I think he, that's a good sign for us that he's going to win a lot of games. Um, and personally, I've known Aaron for 17 years now. Um, you know, we okay. met years ago, um, on a bachelor party, 
oddly enough. And um, he's, a, he's he's a great guy. He's unbelievable. He's very humble, um, but also knows that he's the man. Um, and he's it's a joy to be around him. Um, and I love the fact that he wanted to come to New York, um, the New York Jets. Like that's that's something special as a guy who only played for the New York Jets. Hearing someone say, you know, of his caliber that he wants to come play for New York Jets was uh, pretty awesome. Okay, so bonded for life, obviously, because now you both are a part of the Jets organization. But the bachelor party, I mean, I'm sure there were some serious bonding moments that night. I need some details, Nick. Uh, whose bachelor party was it? What was the debauchery that went down? I Just, just give me some juicy details here. I'll give you the juicy details. Um, I won't disclose who it was. It's a mutual friend. Um, and it was in Vegas. So I'll let your imagination just run from there back in 2007. Oh, it's running. Run away. Oh, wait, so that's it? You're not going to get, that's it? I, I, I thought, I thought we were just, we were just introducing no, no, the. I'm not giving, I'm... Oh, that's no, it. Okay. No, 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 can you at least tell me whose bachelor party it was? I can't give out the juicy details. No, can you, you, you can't even imagine, tell me whose bachelor party it was? No, that's state secrets. Oh, wow. Okay, so what happens in Vegas really stays in Vegas. Uh, well, Nick, good it to does. know you're a loyal guy because I know a lot of people who might have gotten on here and gotten excited and just given me, like, all of the details hangover-style rundown. No, I can't do that. That would be, um, that would be inappropriate on my part um, and too much respect for those two individuals. All right. Uh, I, and, I, and I respect that. OK, so throwing it back, because obviously you were a younger man uh, during this bachelor party era. Uh, I don't know if it was. Well, I guess it was still in your playing days, but just comparing your playing days until now. Uh, I believe when you were on the Jets roster, you weighed north of 300 pounds. What do you weigh now? Yeah, um, I don't usually step on the scale because uh, I'd rather not know. But um, when I wake up in the morning, I feel good. <laughs> Um, and I try to get my exercising in as, as much as possible. Um, and the fact that I don't have to weigh myself anymore is, is kind of freeing. You know what? That is a very freeing feeling. But I have to imagine uh, right now, obviously, your diet, your training regimen, your recovery methods look very different than during your football days. So I'd love to do a little bit comparing and contrasting. What kind of regimen were you following as a center for the Jets versus now, um, I don't know how to describe you, just uh, you know, a, a, a guy who takes his kids to school every day and you know goes to Delaware during the summer? Yep, just a, a washed up old man. Uh, yeah, back when- I didn't I want to say that out more, loud. I think there was a lot more stretching. <laughs> no, it's fine, I'm a washed up old man. Um, I was, there was a lot more stretching involved um, when I was playing and a lot more hot tubs and cold tubs, which I kind of miss. I wish I could go for a good soak every once in a while. Um, but, you know, I think now it's more just maintaining, um, you know, diet relatively the same. It's it's difficult trying to, you know, before it was always, you know, I was eating for playing. Um, now I'm eating to see what my kids will eat um, because, you know, whatever we can get them <laughs> to eat, that's that's what we're going to eat. So um, it, it's definitely a, a, a different lived experience, um, but I love both of them and they're both a lot of fun. So, you know, the, the cold plunge, it's so good for you. I mean, that's something you could probably still easily do now, right? You could probably get a cold plunge in your home or uh, one of the um, 
uh, infrared saunas, something like that? Yeah, my wife said uh, when I was done, I was I really missed the, the hot tub, cold tub, you know, being right next to each other. She's like, well, we have two bathtubs. You could make one hot and one cold. I was like, yeah, but then I got to walk all the way to the other room. Instead of just kicking my feet over. Um, so really, it's just my laziness that uh, prohibits me from doing that. Is there anything that you're super interested in trying? Like, as far as, like, I mean, we're all just inundated with all this new information on social media uh, as it pertains to new fitness routines or things you can try out or different diet courses. Is there anything that's really interested you lately where you think, you know what, I think I might try that because I've either noticed good results of former teammates or seen something on social media that just, I think, seems cool? Um, well, I mean, this one, like I mentioned earlier, the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat, I would kill for that. Um, that would be great just to unplug, get away, um, and have my own time for three days. I think that would be amazing. So uh, I'm going to try to dive a little bit more into that uh, after this season, Get pick Aaron's brain a little bit to find out how I get involved, uh, where I need to go, um, and then I got to convince my wife to let me do it. Okay, well, if you do do that, I definitely need you to reveal all of the details. We can't do this bachelor party, you know, secrecy. Uh, I need to know all the details, although I'm sure there's not so much crazy stuff going on in a dark room for three to four days. But um, I'd be just interested to see how you went in uh, feeling and then how you came out feeling. And then, you know what, who knows, maybe I'll lock myself. Maybe I'll do the show from a dark room for three to four days. That could get interesting. You know, I don't think... Um you say it can't get that crazy, but three to four days in pure darkness by yourself, I feel like you oh, would true. go a little crazy. So I don't know. I, I, it would be wild. It would be a lot of fun, though, I think. I think. Yeah, you'd definitely be forced to reckon with all of your thoughts. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. You probably would go a little bit crazy. Uh, now, speaking of going a little bit crazy, I opened the show, Nick, talking about the mental decline of our president, Joe Biden. Uh, we're obviously entering into an election cycle. People across the board are talking about so many different things right now. Is there something in particular when it comes to politics that's piquing your interest right now? Um, I think all of it. I think the fact that we've started the election cycle so early um, is very interesting. You know, it, it seems like we're going from one election right into the next election and instead of waiting that, um, you know, period where we can really find out what's going on. Um, and, you know, so I, I think the ramping up into election season, that's the one that, that gets me. You know, I, I really got intrigued into it um, when uh, in the primaries, when uh, Barack was going against Hillary. Um, and I, I, for some reason, I don't know, I guess I was working out more and I was paying attention to it more. And that's when it really started coming in my mind, uh, the whole politics and everything. But I think just the direction that we're taking, you know, as a country and as a whole, um, you know, here in New York City, we're struggling with the migrant crisis and the illegal aliens coming in um, and, and struggling with what to do with that. And you see the hypocrisy on both sides and, and um, you know, the it's just, it's, it's something like the start of school and you saw how terrible it was for, for school and, and how much, um, you know, I, we didn't deal with that being here in New Jersey, but New York City, as a parent, I can't imagine, you know, struggling to get into school, having to deal with all this. So I, I think fixing our, our southern border is a huge thing right now. Um, you know, the inflow that we have is absurd. 
Um, but there's a there's a, a multitude of things, um, which you know, hopefully we can start working on getting cleaned up, and that starts at a local level all the way up to the federal level. And you live in Jersey, correct? Yes. So, you know, right now, the governor of Jersey is trying to make it a, a law that parents shouldn't have the right to know if their kid wants to undergo, you know, a, a switch in gender identity. Uh, I don't know how much headway that's making necessarily in all of the school districts, but when you think of that, not having access to information about your kid or things that they could be going through that some might consider to be a mental health issue, how does that make you feel? Um, yeah, anytime the government comes in and, and um, you know imposes what parents should or should not do, uh, I think it's wrong. And so, you know, I've, um, I've never been a big fan of Governor Murphy, and this would be another strike against him. Um, and you know, it's just it's especially as a parent of four. I want to know what's going on in my kids' lives um, and, and everything that they do, whether they're telling me um, or whether someone else alerts me to it. So, um, you know, the, the fact that we're trying to keep things from parents, I think might be the dumbest thing we've done in a long time. Yeah, uh, I think that most parents would agree with you. I think that regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, you should have the right to know absolutely everything that's going on with your kids. And you should have the ability to parent them, uh, just as I know my parents had that ability as I was growing up. Uh, okay, so Nick, to finalize things, tonight obviously we we know it's a big, big game for the Jets. Uh, they've got the Bills, who won't be an easy opponent. Uh, are you planning on being at that game? Yeah, I'll be there tonight. Um, we got a, a couple of fun things planned, um, you know, and it's always great to be there, especially, like I said, 9-11, um, being able to greet some of the first responders and, and be around. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a tough task for my New York Jets, uh, as Buffalo is a fantastic team. But I think we're uh, we're up to the task. Okay, and now I know it's very early. Again, we have not seen one regular season snap. But if you had to predict how far you believe the Jets can go this season, what are you willing to say there? Ooh, um, I want to say that they'll be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Um, I want to say that. But, you know, I think a deep run into the playoffs would be um, ideal. Uh, I think anything less than hopefully an AFC championship would be kind of like a uh, let down a little bit. So um, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. Um, you know, as long as uh, right now on paper, we look great. Uh, but that's why you play the games, because everyone looks good on paper until you actually play. Um, then you find out, you know, who's going to win it all. Okay, so I thought that was going to be my last question, but you just reminded me. I need to get your reaction on the Giants' massive fail last night, 40 to nothing. Okay, Obviously, there's camaraderie. You've got friends on all the different teams. You know, you want the best for everybody. Obviously, the, the, the best of the best for yourself. But does it bring you any type of delight to see the Giants go down like that in the season opener? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, and I don't really care for the Cowboys <laughs> either. But the, um, having the Giants go down in an epic fashion on Sunday night um, <laughs> will make this win tonight that much better. Um, and we have a term for the Giants here in the Mango household, the stinky poo-poo Giants, um, which my son coined years ago. So um, there's no love loss here with, for the Giants. 
I put it at the, you know, the Patriots are the most hated and closely followed behind them are the Giants and then Philly. So, um, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of a pecking order here in the Mangled Household. All right. Well, sounds good to me. I will, at least now the battle for New York, it's wide open. I mean, if the Jets perform tonight, even subpar, even if they just barely pull off a win, they are multitudes ahead of the Giants. And I guess this early in the season, it's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, it, all we got to do is score a point, and we did better than the Giants did. So, you know, I think that's going to be um, – should be done easily. And, and hopefully the Jets won't have to deal with that awful rain that the Giants did all of last night. I can only imagine, you know, losing 40-0, to zero, not only that, being soaking wet probably uh, doesn't sound like so much fun. But, uh, Nick, you are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I hope that tonight goes just as well as you envision in your mind, and I hope to see you again soon. Yes, I hope so. Hopefully um, I'll be able to make it in to the city and, and we can do this live. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, my daughter's getting her stitches out today, so I had to be close to home. But uh, hopefully we can get together again and uh, do a lot of fun. A girl who has my heart. I, I, I feel like she's got like the athlete vibes, right? Is that why she has stitches? Because she's just gotten out there and no. given it to the boys? <laughs> no, it's the four-year-old and she's just stepped on glass. So... You know, okay. we're, we're, we're working on it. Amazing. Uh, okay, well, Nick, thank you so much. And again, we'll see you soon. You'll be sitting right here next time, hopefully. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right. Okay, guys, uh, the U.S. Open in the books in history was made at Arthur Ashe Stadium. 19-year-old Coco Goff won her Grand Slam for the very first time, and in doing so, she became the youngest American to win the U.S. Open since Serena Williams did back in 1999. Now, on the men's side and the opposite end of the age spectrum, at nearly twice the age of Coco Goff, 36-year-old Novak Djokovic won his 24th major title. Now, we all loved watching some great tennis this year and the irony, the beautiful irony of one of the U.S. Open's major sponsors was not lost upon us. Check this out. Unvaccinated Djokovic called Novak's by none other than Aaron Rodgers. He was declared the Moderna shot of the day. Unvaccinated Novak Djokovic, the Moderna shot of the day. 
The comedy just writes itself, doesn't it? And speaking of comedy, another episode that we also won't forget from Flushing Meadows this year, the climate lunatic who super glued his feet to the pavement to protest fossil fuels and, of course, caused a massive scene. These people are so unhinged. Do they not hear the booze? Nobody wants you there. Now, this isn't the first time, as we know, a climate maniac has used super glue to prove a point. We also saw some people glue themselves to classic works of art, airport runways, the list really goes on. But hey, newsflash to any ensuing copycats. There are fossil fuels in super glue. Yeah, if you don't believe me, you can look it up. Fossil fuels are in just about everything. So clearly they're not going anywhere, but you know what? If we get our wish, hopefully these idiots are. All right, everybody, on that note, that is going to do it for this episode of Outkick the Morning. But before you go, do me a favor, please hit that subscribe button. I don't want you to miss any of the action at all this week. We've got some good shows coming up. Also, hit that like button, leave a comment, whether to tell me something that you noticed or liked in today's show, or maybe you have an idea of something you'd like to see on an episode later on this week. And also, you always know where you can find me. I'm on social media at Charlie on TV. But that is going to do it for us here on Outkick the Morning. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you tomorrow.